Music producers today just put out content and they hope that people will come back and listen to their music and digest what they're making. But this isn't like the field of dreams. If you build it, they won't come. This isn't where you can just put out content on some platform and by having it up there, it means that people are going to listen to it. People are going to download it and do whatever. That's not how this works. What you need to do instead is take a more realistic approach and actually use some of the technology that we have today and use some of the data that we have to come up with a different way to market your music. And again, utilizing that data, you can then prioritize the right things that are giving you the best outputs based on the inputs that you are, that you are putting into them. And uh, the one thing that this always reminds me of is that one scene of SpongeBob where Patrick goes, he's like, oh, we have technology. And he grabs the computer and just starts like smashing it on the desk. And I feel like that's what people do now. It's like, they're like, oh, we have technology. Like we have all these social media platforms, but then they just bombard people with posts. And those posts don't necessarily uh, reflect the best things or uh, a specific thing rather that people are trying to direct uh, people towards as the consumers of that content rather. So uh, you should have a specific goal with the content that you're creating. And then by having a specific goal with the content, you can get feedback based on it and use the insights on the platform to then again, prioritize it. So two ways that I thought about in particular that you can go about making sure that you prioritize the right things is first off, when you post up content, you should uh, use user feedback in specific or the people that are listening to your music in specific or downloading it and seeing what they have to actually say to you and any feedback that they can give you. Any uh, advice is also what you can ask for. Instead of using the word feedback, you can use the word advice and people are actually more likely to give advice than feedback. It's, it's kind of a weird psychological thing. But uh, when you ask people for, for, for that They'll tell you, oh, you might want to make it a little more lo-fi. You might want to add more guitar in here. Or maybe the, the, the bass was a little heavy. The mix didn't work out perfect. And you can ideally make those adjustments and take in that information into your system and keep iterating and improving on the thing so that the people that are giving you that feedback will then see that you're actually taking the feedback and producing better content based off of it. And also by just making better content, you will attract more people that then want to ideally listen to that or again, download it if you're in my case making sample packs. So you have to pay attention to what the people that are in your audience are saying and what they're telling you to do and what they're telling you they want. Any sort of problems that they have in particular, you should be trying to help them find solutions to those problems and trying to provide uh, ideally valuable things to them that they actually want instead of just putting out stuff and hoping that people will come to it. Again, the field of dreams example, you have to put things up with a very specific intention, ideally, so that you can then track if that intention was matched or if it wasn't. And then you can use that to either see if those people were retained and people liked that type of content or they didn't like that type of content. And one, the second method that you can use is by the uh, insights that you get or analytics that you might get off of the platform. And this could simply be how many likes did a post get or how many times was it shared or saved, et cetera. But as well as in the back end, they'll give you insights or analytics on YouTube for the platform telling you about other stuff such as viewer retention. They'll tell you the impressions that you got and you can kind of track through and see what the funnel of traffic is like. You can see how many people from this post clicked through to your profile and track what percentage that is. You can then track the percentage of people that clicked from your profile back onto your site and continue this process and figure out all these different conversion rates 
and ideally optimize them so that you can produce a better marketing system as a whole, rather than, again, I'm going to keep giving this example, just thinking, oh, if I put out this content, people are going to magically appear out on the other side of this thing that I've built and that they're going to magically just listen to and purchase my album, purchase my, my sample pack. That's not how this works. You have to build out an experience for them that they enjoy and that they can get something from so that when they get to the other side, they feel way better and actually want to do the action that you're trying to get them to do and that you guys both align and can take the journey together and ideally help each other out. That's what this is all about is being able to support each other as a community in that way. And again, utilizing the platform's insights as well as the user's insights, you can do this. But The most important piece to making sure that you do this is making sure that you have the discipline to post up the content. We've talked about discipline in another episode, but again, making sure that you produce the content and posting it up is very important. And Cody's going to talk about that and why you shouldn't have any excuses for not doing that. Yeah, well, and Jared, making making these data-driven decisions are so important in regards to um, garnering actual growth. And I, I love that field of dreams analogy. If, if you build it, they won't come. You have to have, you, you have to, to make those data-driven decisions and, and implement those data-driven strategies to ensure that you are driving traffic. And, um, but most importantly, you have to be able to create content to drive data. You have to create data before you make that move. So if you're, if you're feeling overwhelmed listening to this of like, oh, I gotta, I, I have to create content or, or I, I have to make data-driven decisions. What you need to be ensuring is that you have the courage and the discipline and the ability to take the leap and create content, create something. And I, I just want to share my story a little bit. So when I first started producing music in 2014, I had a pretty single-minded perspective on how I was going to be a full-time artist. I, I was going to make music and then I was just going to be a full-time artist. That's how it works. I was going to make music, play shows. That's it. That that was literally my perspective when I when I first started. And then when I teamed up with with Jared with a with a G to start Crystal Grid, we we had a, a solid media team around us. And we had a solid manager who helped us get shows. But we were still in, and we were we were creating content. Um, that that was relatively engaging with fans, but we we still approached it from a pretty single-minded perspective of we make music, we play shows, and we create content in between. And that was that was really it. And um COVID was was an opportunity to to really evaluate what I was personally doing as an artist because all of a sudden we we couldn't play shows. Our, our, our largest moneymaker, our biggest focus that we, we had this focus for years was all of a sudden gone. And I immediately hit a pivot because I knew that there was other opportunities that existed and I didn't know what the end results were, but I had the courage to make the hard pivot. I had the time. I look back at my journal for those first two weeks of COVID and um, I, I had two weeks away from my full-time job and I remember I, I, I have the journal entries and I look back and I was talking to myself like, you have two weeks to to work on music full-time. Like, what are you going to accomplish? And those two weeks amounted into, into so much more. But as I was strategizing during those two weeks and working during and grinding on music during those two weeks, that's when I, I, I dove into the lo-fi community. I, I, I saw, I saw, I identified a problem and I provided a solution maybe without even necessarily knowing that terminology, but I, I took my, um, 
I, I took my first stimulus check that that most Americans uh, received, and I, I spent that on hiring a, um, a a team of virtual assistants. And I, I learned this technique from the four hour work week with Tim Ferriss. I finished the four hour work week. I, I had this additional money. I spent it. I created a list of of lo fi artists um, that had over a hundred thousand monthly listeners and that were placed on Spotify editorials. Using that compiled list, I jumped in and I began messaging all of these individuals saying, hey, my name is Cody. I'm a part of Crystal Grid. I'm a saxophonist. Do you need custom saxophone stems for your beats? Boom. I I was immediately entered into the lo-fi community. And, and at that time, the barrier of entry was relatively low. So I went from somebody that didn't even have a lo-fi project to somebody that was collaborating with lo-fi artists that, that had hundreds of thousands of, of monthly listeners. And I remember... It was pretty funny when I was signing when I was signing contracts with these labels to re- to 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 release with some of these labels. They were like, "Do you have a profile up?" And I was like, "No, but it will be Summit One." You know, they were like, "Who who is this person?" Um, but that was that was because I was willing to create content. I I was re- I was willing to create those custom saxophone stems and to reach out to those artists and and to take a leap. Evolving a little bit further. Um, I, I had been actively involved with the lo-fi community for, for like six to eight months. Um, I, the network was beginning to grow, but I, once again, I identified it another problem that I wanted to create a solution for. I was trying to look up interviews or blog posts or videos, anything that was highlighting these artists all over the world that had, um, that had hundreds of thousands of monthly listeners to millions of monthly listeners. And I couldn't find it. I was like, is nobody interested in talking to these artists? Like, yes, it's not your traditional, what I thought was a traditional path to being a full-time musician. Uh, they, they're not going to sell tickets. They're not selling out these massive shows. They're not on tour, but they're still reaching millions of people with their art every single month. And nobody wants to talk to them. And so for me, once again, I had the courage to say, well, I can talk. I'm going to start a podcast. I'd never, I've never, I, I'd been interviewed on podcasts before and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I said, I'm going to host a podcast. And I, once again, I took the leap, invested in, in the podcast and it, it has turned into um, an unbelievable tool that I had no idea what it was going, going to become. And through that podcast, it has allowed me to, to exponentially grow my network um, and sphere of influence within the lo-fi community. What I didn't, what the most important thing that has happened and what I didn't realize was going to be the result of this for myself was that we have this global network of, of lo-fi artists. But you also, you have the American culture, you have the UK culture, you have the French culture, you have the German culture, you have the Swedish culture. And what the podcast allowed me to do was become a part of all of these different sub-communities that all work together to create this, this macro-level community. And I, w- I had zero anticipation that's what the podcast was going to do, but it did. And it's all because I said, screw it. I'm going to start a podcast and I'm going to, like, these these artists deserve to be heard I'm going to give them a platform to share their stories and their voices. And, um, in return, it's, it's benefited my career as well. Um, and then of course, another opportunity I took as a saxophonist, my homie D rock who, who creates house music, um, who's, who's crushing it. Who's on tour, who's playing shows every single weekend. We had a mutual friend. He reached out to me and said, Hey, do you want to record saxophone on this track? It was really just a, a guitar track at that point. 
I honestly didn't want to. I wasn't that stoked on the track. I was like, well, there's not that much here. Um, but I did it. And now I have the opportunity to, to like this past weekend, I, I flew and we played a couple shows in Texas and, and he's crushing it. We, we've had tracks released on um, some, some massive labels in the, in the house, house global scene. But what I'm getting at is you have to be willing to take risk and just create. And today to live life as an independent artist, you have so many opportunities to expand what you're doing. Like, do you, do you make dubstep? Perfect. Well, what else can you do? How, how else can you expand upon that core brand? Do you make sample packs? Perfect. How much, like, what else can you do? Do you make lo-fi beats? Well, do you also make, um, harder, like drill style beats for, for hip hop artists? Or do you rap? Do you rap? Do you sing? Do you play guitar? Like, what else do you do? What else can you do? Because with the technology that we have and the platforms that we have, opportunities are, are limitless. Um, and, and truthfully, if I, if I wouldn't have started the chilled samples podcast, have you on for episode 10, like you and I wouldn't be having this conversation right now. We wouldn't have our own podcast. We, we wouldn't have the opportunity to serve those in our community. And it's, you, you, you don't necessarily know what data you're going to drive. Um, when you first start that project, and that's okay. Like the data will come in, but you have to make sure that you're creating those vehicles to drive data. And then you can make more calculated decisions on how to spend your time moving forward. But, um, just, just like we've talked about in previous episodes, overcoming that resistance and having the courage to, um, to be vulnerable, to take a risk. Like, do you think you have the ability to, to start a podcast? Like you probably do. Are you afraid of, of not getting very many listeners on your first few episodes? You probably are. You're, are you afraid of failing? We all are, but you have to have that courage to, to take the leap and to, to discover what else is possible and to, to meet others within your community, um, to, to see how they can help you and how you, of course, most importantly, how you can serve and help them and grow together. Um, which we, we recently launched, uh, our, our producer experience discord and we, we are already getting a ton of artists that are driven and are excited to to continue to live out their dreams as full-time artists and full-time musicians and it's it's been exciting to to have those conversations to discover what those unique value propositions are those unique selling points and figuring out what else can you do to become successful? So make sure make sure to join our Discord community. The link is going to be in the description of our podcast. And of course, we're launching our YouTube channel as well. Um, so make sure to subscribe, subscribe on YouTube. We're going to be posting our clips and we're going to be posting our video episodes. But um, and, and as always, hit us up with the DM. If you guys ever have any questions from any of these episodes, hit us up in the DMs and we're, we're happy to talk about them a little bit further. And if you're, if you're nervous about reaching out, like don't be, take that risk. Take uh, right now, take that action of, of collecting data. We'll, we'll give you some data points just from you sending that DM. Um, and with that, peace. Peace. Hey.